NFL officiating ruins a tremendous game between the Indianapolis Colts and the Cleveland Browns. When is the NFL going to hold officials accountable? And what could the Colts have done to make the referees not matter at all? Believe me, we're going to talk about it. Welcome to the Horseshoe Huddle Podcast presented by Fan Nation on SI.com, part of the Fans First Sports Network. My name is Andrew Moore, and I'm joined here as always by my fellow writer, analyst, and co-host of the Horseshoe Huddle Podcast, Drake Wally. Drake, I've been watching the NFL for a long time. Uh, I've seen a lot of a lot of bad penalties, and what I saw at Lucas Oil Stadium yesterday was some of the most egregious officiating that I have ever seen in in my entire time covering football, in my entire time watching football. So instead of opening off this this episode talking about a, a really exciting and fun game between the Colts and Browns, which we really didn't think was was going to be too exciting. We're talking about officials, and that's simply just it shouldn't be how it is. So how are you doing, buddy? How was your weekend? It's good to see you. It, it was a really good weekend, nice relaxing weekend um, uh, with with Aubrey. And um, look, man, <laughs> first off, like you said, what a hell of a game. I mean, it was awesome. It was an awesome game. Like, But at the end of the day, yes, I, I think that – I think we'll get into it a little bit more, but just to make it very, very quick. Uh, yeah, I think it deserves to be talked about. I think it deserves to be looked into. I think uh, it deserves to be asked why these guys aren't full time. <laughs> and, uh, you know, the implications that could come with not having full time officials, which we'll also get into, uh, which could affect the outcomes of games, regardless of what people want to believe or not. It could happen. So we'll get into it. Very bad officiating in this game. One of the worst I've seen. And that's not just because we tend to be or th that we are Colts fans while we're also writers. It's because it's legitimately some of the worst officiating I have ever seen. Yeah, we're, we're going to dive into that and everything that came from uh, Colts Browns yesterday. Truett gets us off to a fire start tonight with a $5 super chat. Truett, thank you so much for all of your support, buddy. Truett says, don't be discouraged. When Shane was hired, they said it would be a process, and Minshew is no Anthony Richardson. Yeah, I think I think we're seeing that. that the, the, I mean, those those arguments that Minshew should be starting over Anthony Richardson, don't really hear those anymore. Uh, it's because Minshew has to start because of Anthony Richardson's injury. But Shrew, thank you so much, buddy, for the super chat. Thank you. Uh, getting us off to, to a really hot start tonight. Brandon Moses in the chat talking about the Texas Rangers. Brandon, we don't care about the Rangers. We're talking about Colts <laughs> football tonight. But, hey, if the Rangers make it to the World Series, not good for you, buddy. Uh, my beautiful wife, Danielle, uh, with her nightly super sticker we celebrated our anniversary yesterday Woo! uh one year down forever to go so thank you so much uh for the super sticker got to meet stats matt for the first time in person on sunday as well um hate to see that ending in person but and he also got to meet my wife and took my wife to the game uh but it was great to see stats matt patrick the cfo is in the house i hit a zebra with my car today because i had pstd from yesterday uh or pts uh, from yesterday so patrick you wouldn't blame you wouldn't blame you for that one marvin fox says don't think andrew will be sending the refs any super stickers tonight uh <laughs> you think you're, you think you're on track there marvin uh especially if you guys read my uh read my article on horseshoehuddle.com that came out this morning i think you know exactly where i stand and then shout out to nathan comancy as well it says we have a top 10 linebacker i think we got a couple linebackers that that are uh up there as well cmdsr from virginia as well great to have everybody in if you haven't done so please go follow us on all of our social medias like horseshoe huddle on facebook follow at colts on fn on twitter and subscribe to the horseshoe huddle youtube channel hit that bell so you know whenever drake and i are going live whenever shod goes live at the saddle up show so you never miss an episode and if you can't catch us live Apple, Spotify, Google, wherever you listen to podcasts, we're on there as well. So make sure you subscribe and give us a five-star review on there. So, Drake, we're, we're, we got to dive into it right away. We have a ton of stuff to talk about tonight. So the Indianapolis Colts lose to the Browns in controversial fashion. I think that's putting it nicely. 39-38 uh, goes, goes a lot farther than uh, what our initial predictions were. You were a hell of a lot higher than, than I was on the predictions. I think I said 17-13. to 13. Did not think this, this game would be pushing uh, uh, 80, 80 total points. So if you, if you hammered that over, more power to you yesterday, but uh, 
it was it was a high scoring matchup. I thought it was a great game personally. It was a very exciting game on both sides. You know, there was plenty of plays being made by 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 both units, whether it was a Colts offense, the Colts defense, Browns offense was making some plays. Certainly the Browns defense, the, the highly touted defense coming in. And it seems like nobody has really talked about that. I mean, we've heard people, some people here talk about it a little bit, but all the focus has been on the officiating and, and rightfully so because the officiating to end that game yesterday, whether it does not matter what side you are on. Uh, and if you are looking at it from an objective view, the officiating to end that game yesterday was an absolute sham. And, and, and it really, it really destroyed uh, what was, what was fixing to be one of, one of the best games of the year. Who would have thought it would be Colts Browns? Yeah, and you'd never want to see something that's such an awesome back and forth contest like that come to a conclusion off of a bad a bad officials or a bad call from an official. And we've seen games like that. I know that one it's a long, long time ago, but I, I believe it was Packers and Seahawks when it was a Hail Mary pass and it was so clearly intercepted, but they you had one guy say touchdown, the other guy goes like incomplete or like something like that. It's just it's such a high level of confusion at that time. But in this one, it wasn't really confusion. It was more just absolutely like calls where you're like how can you possibly call that type of situation and it was on a couple of different occasions there were missed calls there were bad calls that were made on pass interference i know on daryl baker jr at the end of the game there that gave the browns that that goal line possession uh where they inevitably took the lead but man yeah it's it's definitely for sure going back to what we were saying one of the worst officiating jobs I've seen from us from start to finish in a game in recent memory. And you got to talk about it. You got to address it somehow. I'm not really sure how you would begin to address this, but there's a lot of different ways. Uh, but yeah, I, I think you're going to hear this game talked about um, for weeks to come. We have a, we have a celebrity in our presence, Drake, and it's the one, the only Tom Brady, Tom Brady showing his ugly face <laughs> coming in here with the $5 super chat. We appreciate uh, the Tom Brady coming in and giving us uh, $5 out of his He's millions back. of dollars. Uh, <laughs> says, Such a disappointing ending. Why can't the Browns win games fairly like I did? Touche, Tom Brady. Touche. That is, I might go up in the Hall of Fame of comments on the Horseshoe Huddle podcast. But hey, Tom, thank you so much for, for your super chat and your support, buddy. Uh, always brings a smile to our face when we see that ugly mug come across our face really appreciate it but uh but drink yeah i mean i i i i kind of i touched on a lot of this in my article so and please i we don't, i don't have enough time to we don't have enough time tonight <laughs> to explain and go into this as much as probably should so be sure to go check out my piece on on horseshoehuddle.com if you haven't done so already but Let's let's start talking about. I mean, there was there was many different penalties that we could have talked about, but let's let's talk about those two ones at the end of the game. You know, the the illegal contact on Daryl Baker Jr. I mean, you can say some people some people say that there there is a claim to that uh, that that it was illegal contact. He was more than five yards down the field. But when you look at the rule, and and this is how I, I dove deep last night, went straight to the NFL rule book. The way illegal contact is identified is as if the, the contact is initiated by the defender. When you watch that replay multiple times, Amari Cooper is the one that initiates that contact. And, and really, it happens simultaneously with e when, when EJ Speed is knocking the ball out of PJ Walker's hands. And, and that's why you saw Shane Steichen so upset over there on the sidelines when it happened. Because it, it took – that was the game ceiling play. You know, and again, instead of talking about an incredible play made by EJ Speed and then DeForest Buckner to cover it up, we're talking about a play that was happening 15 yards down the field that wouldn't have mattered anyway. It's it's not like that the illegal contact was like hurt the pass. And and honestly, the illegal contact, I don't even know if it's really there because in the rules, it clearly states that if an offensive player is the one that initiates the contact the defensive player can use his hands to defend against that contact. And that is basically what Daryl Baker Jr. did in that situation. Yeah. And it, it, when you look at the play, it kind of, it almost looks like when the, when the contact happens between the two, 
Cooper almost when he put he almost pushes off with a full his arm breaks the 90 degree plane and he actually almost like shoves Baker to the ground. I think Baker went down to a knee and hopped back up. And um, I think that it, we talked about it before the show that seals the game. I mean, Buckner falls on that football. So it's really just a kick. It's just a it's a real kick in the gut if you're the Colts. And then after that, you have and you, I know that you'll go into it a little bit more since you wrote a piece on it, but after that you have following a, a potentially an even worse uh, call on the same exact defender. It's just like, you know, what exactly was going through? I do, I do wish I could just have been a fly on the wall inside the mind of that official. And just like, what would prompt you to make such a ridiculous call? Any NFL official you would think is a fan at least, or a person who analyzes the game like we do, you look at that and you're like, how can you possibly make that call? So I just think there were some really egregious calls that you could put probably in some of the worst we've seen. And it really ultimately, in my opinion and yours, it, it decided the game for the Browns. And and you said it was potentially worse than that illegal contact penalty. Oh, it was 100% worse <laughs> than the illegal Fair. contact. PJ Walker throws that ball eight, nine feet out of bounds. It bounces into the stands at Lucas Oil Stadium. And it's called pass interference, where Donovan Peoples-Jones, uh, unless he has a 60-inch vertical, he isn't getting up to catch that football. That football is way out of bounds. There is no chance in hell. Even if even if Daryl Baker Jr. isn't on the field, say it's just P.J. Walker and Donovan Peoples-Jones, <laughs> there is no chance in hell that number 11 is going up and catching that football. That was one of the poorest excuses of a penalty that I have ever seen. And I've seen a lot of bad penalties. And, and here's where here's where it's just it's just so this is getting very frustrating, especially we're in the year 2023. And you think of all the technology that goes into the game. You think of all the money that that, that goes into the NFL and football. Number one, to not have full-time officials is unacceptable. Uh, I mean, to have these people only work a certain amount of the year and then to have them go out there and expect them to, to be at their best, that is, number one, it's kidding yourself, and, and, it, and it's foolish to think that, that that's a, a recipe for success. Number two, I don't, the NFL, the, the, at some point, this is really going to bite the NFL right in the butt. And, and it's because there's, it's only a matter of time. And it almost happened last year. Uh, if you remember the Eagles, Chiefs in the Super Bowl. It almost happened. To it almost helped determine what the super, what the ending of the Super Bowl. If one of these times, a really, really bad call is going to determine the outcome of the biggest game of the year when you have hundreds of millions of people watching on TV, and that's not only going to cause bad publicity; it's going to launch investigations because the millions and millions and millions of dollars that are that are bet on these games because sports gambling is continuing to rise the more that this happens the more people have a stake into it the more these outcomes of the game are going to be questioned and you said i don't know what what could go into this official's mind why he would think to throw that i mean i i wouldn't put it past to check his phone does he have a fan duel or does he have a DraftKings account you know investigations uh, Pat McAfee called for an investigation, I, and I don't think he was joking. You know, when, when it gets to this level of incompetency at the highest level of football, we're not talking about a high school game. We're not talking about Joe Schmo, who's a PE teacher during the week, and he coaches, he referees high school football games on the weekend. We're talking about NFL officials. And especially in 2023, when you have the manpower, you have the technology to look at a replay and say, you know what? That's not right. That's not the right call to quickly buzz down to the official and over overrule it and say, hey, this isn't right. That's not the right call. And to just blatantly disregard that, it's a, it's a sham. It's a travesty. And it's a big black eye on the game of football. And, and as, as I said in this in my article, this is not coming from, from a fan perspective. I have zero pull in who won that game yesterday. But what I saw, and to to make a very a great game, where Drake, we're 15 minutes in this episode, we should be talking about what the Colts did on offense, and and we haven't even touched that yet, because instead of talking about a great football game, we're talking about how officials completely changed the outcome of a game, and for all the people that spent really good money to go to Lucas Oil Stadium and watch that in person, got completely 
robbed. And it's not on the Colts. It's not on the Browns. It is on the NFL. It's on NFL officiating, and it's downright wrong. And it, it's just, it just, it fires me up to to really see this. And that's not just talking about the Colts either. Pittsburgh Steelers and Los Angeles Rams. That game was decided by by bad officiating. There was bad officiating last night when the Dolphins took on the Eagles. It's all around the NFL. And it can't continue. It really can't because eventually there's going to be investigations law uh, uh, launched and the integrity of the game is being challenged at an all-time high. And quite frankly, it probably should be. Yeah, and you know, I was just going to say, I was going to ask this. So with a part-time official, do they do, do the rules apply for gambling to them since they're part-time and not full-time? Yeah, that, that's the thing. So, yeah. Oh, Drake, you're I hate me, to ask you. You're it. getting me fired up, brother. But it's okay. You know, you're talking about here's the thing we have the NFL cracking down, suspending Isaiah Rogers Sr. for a year for gambling, suspending Calvin Ridley for a year for gambling. But what about these officials? What what are the rules on them gambling? And then you have a bad pass interference call. You go away to commercial. Oh, this 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 game is brought to you by DraftKings. You know, <laughs> it's it's ridiculous. And and I don't know if Brandon has ever seen me this fired up. Even when we did a Colts podcast together, Brandon says Andrew taking my points we've made in the past. NFL is at risk of lawsuits when questionable stuff like this happens, especially if foul play is actually great point. discovered. Very great point. I want to give a shout out to Jake completely missed your super chat because i'm just going on a tangent here jake walton thank you for the super chat buddy he says you guys rock yeah that officiating is horrible well jake we're glad you're enjoying the show glad you're here supporting the program and and hopefully if you haven't if you haven't uh been a long time listener we hope you do so so really appreciate it jake uh but drake just to kind of i don't want to i know i've i said i don't want to harp on this too long it's already been 16 minutes but there's just got to be changes made, you know, because in the grand scheme of things, yes, it's the Indianapolis Colts versus the Cleveland Browns game. Doesn't really mean too much. Probably in the grand scheme, when you're talking about the end of the season, Yeah, but but that's not the point. The point is if this continues, it's going to really hurt the, the integrity of the game. And if it does continue and nothing is done to stop it or, or these officials aren't held accountable, it is going to happen in the biggest game of the year, and it's going to have major consequences for the NFL and 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 really put the game of football at risk. And, you know, with how officiating has been all season, not just in the games that, that we've watched with the, with the Indianapolis Colts, it may be this year's Super Bowl where something completely terrible happens and, and the NFL is going to pay the price. Yeah, and you know, real quick, just to kind of put a bow on this. First off, hire full-time officials, okay? Second off, I want to ask you this because I feel like you would be the perfect person, especially since you just wrote something on it. Why do you think the NFL hasn't pulled the trigger on full-time officials? I think it's I think it's partially money. Uh, I don't I don't think they want to invest that in the officials because it hasn't really come back to bite them yet. Uh, oh. I think I think they think it's it's perfectly fine with how it is uh, because it's not just the official salary you got to pay for health health care uh, and all this. Uh, I definitely think the the refer the officials union or referee union. I'm not sure the exact term. I I, I know they get in the way on on specific things. Uh, I I also know that the the NFL also probably doesn't feel like they are at risk because everything with the officials is so is always kept behind closed doors. I mean, you never hear about officials being fined or, or anything you say. The NFL says, oh, we take care of these matters privately, uh, and, and every official is graded. They could lose out on, on potential uh, postseason opportunities. So what? You know, NFL players, you know, Michael Pittman is probably going to get fined for throwing up a peace sign on, on a 75-yard touchdown that happened yesterday. He'll probably get fined for that. But the but the official that threw that egregious pass interference call probably gets a slap on the wrist and just gets uh, two words do or three words do better next time. How is that right? Uh, you know that is that is it just makes me sick to my stomach when when you think of something <laughs> like that. And the NFL. When will accountability happen? 
You know, accountability needs to happen and it needs to happen now. Officials should be fined when 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 these things happen. The the punishments do need to be public. There needs to be transparency on on both sides. Uh, it's it, at the risk of sounding like like Mike Florio uh, always coming after the shield. It just seems like when it comes to officials uh, and the NFL, transparency is only needed when it benefits the shield. And that's not right for fans. That's not right for the integrity of the game and and as fans of teams and as fans of just football in general we we need to be asking these questions uh, i was i had and i'll be honest i have been a little bit disappointed in in the media coverage of this especially with the local local beat in indy uh not really diving too deeply into this when i think it is a matter that that should be not because you want the, this indie team to win not because you're being a homer but because of the integrity of the game right. and and that's what we need to be worried about because if if we do have these things keep going on what's the point you know if it's not going to be decided fairly then then why are they why are we even doing this in the first place so uh come patrick rye with his with a super chat for the evening coming in with some comedic relief uh patrick says ed hockley's biceps <laughs> never would have stood for this and and go you're damn right, Patrick. You're damn right. Thank you for for bringing the comedy on this one, buddy. Really, really appreciate it. Really appreciate all your support as always. But Drake, yeah, I mean, great game, and we're going to talk about the great game right now. But it doesn't does not excuse what happened uh, with that officiating crew yesterday. And and I am pleading to the NFL to to make this right going forward but let's talk about the game itself and let's talk about a guy who tried to do his best anthony richardson impression yesterday on the ground <laughs> but boy the turnovers absolutely killer gardner Minshew, uh what a roller coaster of a day uh for for number 10 drake talk to me about his performance kind of what you saw from Minshew yesterday and, and just what are your thoughts on on how he performed against the browns well you know actually uh he when you remove the turnovers, I mean, the guy has four total touchdowns. He has two on the ground, two through the air. Uh, I, I thought that he actually did a really good job of opening up big plays. A lot of big plays happened uh, with guys like Pittman and guys like Downs. Um, but at the end of the day, it's very weird because last week against the Jaguars, he has three interceptions and a fumble lost. And in this game, he has three fumbles lost and an interception. So he's still, he's got currently over the last two contests starting full time. Gardner Minshew has four fumbles lost, four interceptions thrown. And I know the Jacksonville game was a little bit more of a runaway, but if you look at where he turned the ball over, like we discussed last week, it gave them easy shots to score. So this was different, but his turnovers really came from fumbles. That was the, mm -hmm. those were the killer. Cause Denzel Ward, I mean, Denzel Ward just ran the route for the receiver on his interception. So I think Minshew, man, he's showing, a, he's showing a very rare proneness to turnovers that we haven't seen in his entire career. And so really you got to ask what caused it this time. Maybe it was miles Garrett. Maybe it was just, you know, a really good Browns defense, but overall, for fantasy purposes, he did pretty good. But as far as, uh, you know, to win the game, regardless of calls, you can't have four turnovers in the NFL. Right. So when we're looking at his at his raw stats here, 305 yards, uh, two touchdowns, the one interception, uh, a quarterback rating of of 119.4, which is oh, which is really good. It is. But it was it was the fumbles. The fumbles killed Gardner Minshew yesterday. And and Patrick has a great stat here. Minshew has 27 fumbles and 27 starts. This is going to continue to be an issue. And and unfortunately, Patrick, I think you're right. I mean, we talked about we talked about Gardner Minshew taking care of the football, and that's that's what he needs to do. That's the biggest asset for him, for the Colts to be successful. And and he was dealing yesterday. I mean, he had the, he had the two touchdowns of the year. I didn't even mention the two touchdowns on the ground. Uh, Minshew added twenty nine rushing yards for that. But when you have three fumbles uh, and and you have the interception, the four turnovers on the day, it's it's really hard to beat any team when when you turn the ball over that much and and one of those turnovers one of those fumbles was in the end zone that ended up being 
uh, an immediate seven points for the Cleveland Browns to close out the first half. That makes eight turnovers in the past two games, and and it's really going to be tough for the for the Colts to win any games, even if the rest of the team is is playing really good football, which. Honestly, if you talk about the team as a whole, I thought they played a pretty good game yesterday. But turning over, turning the ball over four times, it's just really, really tough to come back from this, especially when you don't have the, the firepower at, at quarterback like an Anthony Richardson that can will you back into a game and, and single-handedly win you that game. It, and I, honestly, even it's hard for guys like Patrick Mahomes and, and Josh Allen and, and Joe Burrow to win when you turn the ball over four times. And so what we had praised Gardner Minshew about so early in the season, protecting the football, just keeping the offense goal going. That's not really what he's been able to do consistently over these past two weeks. Eight turnovers is really just unacceptable. Yeah. And if you, if you think about the way that they happen and what they, the reasons they were so bad, obviously the quantity is a big concern, but in the Jacksonville game, they had momentum, momentum, momentum catching up. And then here's a turnover. So then that, 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 you know, comeback attempt, it's completely halted. Well, in this case, this was a back and forth affair where the momentum continuously was swinging. So when you are in a, just an absolute fist fight with another team and you're just matching each other's scores, you can't really afford to throw an interception or turn the ball over, let alone four times. Uh, and as we'll get to the, the, the gentleman, as I'll call him, who uh, decided to destroy the entire Colts offense uh, on Sunday was a big part to play. But look, man, the entire Browns defense, they all caused issues for Gardner Minshew in this one. Right. And outside of Gardner Minshew, like I was kind of alluding to, the rest of the team played pretty well. Let's 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 yeah. kind of move to those those positional players. Let's start with Jonathan Taylor. I, I think we can assume Jonathan Taylor is now back uh for the Indianapolis Colts. He had 18 carries, 75 yards, and a touchdown. Also added three catches for 45 yards yesterday. So overall, uh what was that make that? 110 yards total with, with a touchdown. So I mean, Jonathan Taylor looks like he's got his legs underneath him. And there was there was a drive uh, when when you're talking about the Colts trying to get back into the game. It was pretty much Jonathan Taylor the whole way that they, they kind of started building that momentum back up for the Indianapolis Colts. And, and as stats, Matt says uh, he also got a drug test today after his performance, which, again, uh, the NFL doing what the NFL does. That's how you know you did good. Uh, so much for a random drug test. How about we randomly drug test those officials yesterday <laughs> to see if they were on anything? Uh, but I digress. So. Uh, but Drake, you got it. You got to love what what you're seeing out of number 28. And and the more we saw, Jonathan Taylor out snapped Zach Moss yesterday as well. So 28's on his way back, and and he's looking fresh. He's looking good, and, and that's music to Shane Steichen's ears. Yeah, and you know the Colts put an incredibly he heavy emphasis on the ground game because Zach Moss matched. We didn't match the t uh, the snap count, but he matched the the, the carries. They right. each had 18 on the day, and together I think they had let's see 132 yards uh, between the two. So I mean, it, the fact that Steichen was like, "Look, we're going to give them each the exact same amount of of a workload." That's pretty awesome. But the fact that Jonathan Taylor went from getting such a minimal amount in these first two games, he was back to really ramping up that volume. That makes you very confident as a Colts fan. It should make you feel really good. And I've been seeing this all over X is that you should turn the offense over to Jonathan Taylor again. This should be his offense, at least until Richardson gets back. Minshew needs that absolute blunt force kind of ground game that Carson Wentz had in 2021. I, I'm very excited to see as Jonathan Taylor continues to ramp up and, and get more time in this offense, what things Shane Steichen schemes up for him. Because when you look at the running game, and, and I don't know if it is dropped on horseshoehuddle.com yet, but our colleague Zach Hicks is doing a film room on just all the various things that Shane Steichen is doing with this running game of the Colts offense. It's very unique, and, and, and it's really just it's super cool to see. So when you're talking about a fully healthy Jonathan Taylor uh, uh, in this offense and, and what Shane Steichen is going to be able to do. It's just going to open up so many more things for this offense, take some of the pressure 
off of Gardner Minshew so he doesn't feel like he has to do anything or do everything out there excuse me and and then maybe you, you see the ball come out of his hands quicker you see maybe him start to sense pressure you hope anyway uh so that way that you you eliminate the risk for those fumbles but but certainly having Jonathan Taylor back and 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 ready to go full-blown in this offense something that 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 not only will help the Colts down the road but will continue to to keep this offense at at honestly a pretty a pretty good pace Drake because I think they're like sixth in scoring eighth in total yards even without their their starting quarterback in Anthony Richardson so credit to Shane Steichen what he has done with this offense without his starting quarterback it's been pretty remarkable to see and we haven't even gotten to the wide receivers yet either. Let's talk about that. Uh, Josh Downs, rookie wide receiver. Uh, I think we can remove rookie from his from his uh, uh, title and just talk about uh, future star wide receiver in Josh Downs. Five catches, 125 yards, and that touchdown uh, was the leading receiver for the Colts on the day. Boy, Drake, let's talk about Josh Downs and how impressive this kid has looked already in this young season. Yeah, look, man, Josh Downs had, I mean, he he didn't have a career high in catches in this game. I think he had eight against the Ravens, but this guy showed he's got big playability. He's got ability to just get wide the hell open. I mean, when he caught that pass, it was a miscommunication on the defense, but he knew exactly what to do as soon as that happened. And I even posted this out on X. I said, Josh Downs looks smooth as hell. I'm like, this guy looks like he is legitimately a threat and will be a threat. And Reggie Wayne is a freaking wide receiver genius. This guy (laughs) asked, pounded the damn table for Josh Downs. No one thought that they'd pick him up. In fact, you guys wrote the Indy Draft Guide, and even you guys didn't think that. No one thought that this was going to be a situation where they'd pick Josh Downs. And look at what it's – look at the payoff so far. This guy is just continuing game after game to get better and better and better. Man, he's looking every bit like what they wanted him to look like, and he's looking like a steal as a third-round pick. He, he really is. And, I mean, he's on pace to get, I think, 970-some yards That's this, this season, almost 1,000 yards in his rookie campaign. And then you pair that with what Michael Pittman Jr. is doing on that long touchdown run. Michael Pittman basically threw this kid off of him uh, as he ran 75 yards, threw up the peace sign for the touchdown. Alec <laughs> Pierce had a couple of really nice plays. He only had three catches, but every time he was throwing the ball, he made the most of it. That's That's all you can ask for out of Alec. Pierce so I thought it was a great game by by the wide receivers you know they were they made plays when their name was called upon when Minshew got them the ball uh they were able to get open and and you guys got to remember this too yeah we're so caught up with the officials and everything that the Indianapolis Colts were going up against a historic defense in the in the Cleveland Browns before the Colts went and 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 showed up and 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 beat the brakes in on them you know i think the cleveland browns before this weekend had only given up about close to a thousand yards the colts had almost 500 yards of total offense on sunday against the team that had only let only given up about a thousand yards all season credit to josh downs michael Pittman jr and alec pierce really really showed out uh, against the tough secondary of the cleveland browns yeah and the next closest uh, amount of points that the browns led up was against the ravens with 28 so i mean the colts look man i'll just leave I'll, i'll end this little this little subject with this shane steichen understands offensive football that's what Colts fans need to know this guy spread that defense open he got he got his receivers open he was able to make Minshew look great Minshew in just 23 pass attempts was still still turned it over four times okay they ran the ball so heavily and he still turned it over four times so I think that the the takeaways here is the takeaways here are Josh Downs could become a legitimate threat as a receiver Shane Steichen has got this offense exactly where it needs to be in the situation without Richardson and I do believe that long term once Richardson returns after he's kind of digested all this man it could be a really nice bounce back here for him in 2024. 
I agree. Patrick with another super chat on the evening. Really appreciate the super chat, buddy. Uh, Patrick says, sample si- small sample size, but JT's hands are getting better, and when Steichen gets him fully into the pass offense, it's going to be like Austin Eckler t- uh, times two. Uh, oh. It you know that's pretty that's pretty damn scary for for opposing uh, opposing defenses. One of the biggest knocks on Jonathan Taylor uh, about him not being as as well rounded of a running back was just his his lack of production in the passing game you know and 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 if this becomes a a routine part of his game where he's consistently catching three to four balls out of the backfield every single game that just adds a, comp- a, a completely different element to this offense that uh, that defenses have to be aware of on top of the running ability that Anthony Richardson brings, on top of the quick winning ability of, of Josh Downs, the deep threat of Alec Pierce, uh, uh, the the always the always the consistent threat of Michael Pittman Jr. really anywhere on the field. So just adds another element. But Patrick, thank you so much, buddy, for for the super chat. We appreciate it as always. But but Drake, we would be remiss if we didn't talk about uh, a certain player on the Cleveland Browns that absolutely wrecked the game and and basically was the reason they won the football game yesterday in Miles Garrett but my god what an absolute monster uh he is just just unbelievable uh before I get to stats Matt's uh, super chat here just want to read uh off Miles Garrett's stats from yesterday so he had nine tackles two sacks, a tackle for loss, uh, a pass deflection, two quarterback hits. Uh, and then I think he also forced two fumbles. He had a block well, kick too. And, and had a block kick. So it's just, just absurd. Just an absurd showing out of Miles Garrett and, and, and really, really shows what uh, the, 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 the type of impact that, that, that he has for this Cleveland Browns defense. Yeah, and you know, uh, the the fact that we just preached that that's the one guy you cannot let dictate the pace of the Cleveland Browns defense. Mm-hmm. And then he goes out there and doesn't just dictate the pace, but he overturned the game, I think, for that defense. And regardless of how anyone feels about, you know, the blocked kick and what may have given Miles Garrett that gap, he still got through, he still made an impact. He was all over the field. He was all over Minshew. We kind of figured if he was going to have a good game that it could just completely break the Colts offense. And and I think at times Minshew became a little gun shy because, I mean, Garrett was back there actually putting constant pressure on him. So um, I, I also think that Blake Freeland is showing that uh, it's unfortunate for him. I do got to say this real quick because I saw in the chat, you know, I, I get that Blake Freeland has struggled. Uh, you know, up to this point, but he also has had to start his career against Aaron Donald. He's had to start his career against Josh Allen, Harold Landry, and now uh, arguably the best pass rusher in the freaking league, maybe even not even close, Miles Garrett. This guy's getting thrown right into it. So uh, I think that his development is going to be, it's either going to break him or it's going to make him one hell of a player down the road. But at the end of the day, you got to contain Miles Garrett. The Colts just didn't do it. Easily the the most talented uh, defender that the Colts have faced this year, yep. and and in my opinion, should be runaway for for defensive player of the year. There is nobody on the planet doing what Miles Garrett is doing on the defensive side of the ball, and and I mean credit to the offensive line for for trying uh, to 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 slow him down, but really it's it's more of just not allowing him to take over the game rather than than because he's going to get his, uh, you know, I mean. He certainly he he made Bernard Ryman struggle at times. Blake Freeland uh, didn't do didn't do great. But when you're going up against that level of talent, you're you're gonna get beat sometimes. It's just how how do you how do you persevere and how do you how do you try to scheme to help that out? But but I want to move to the now the Colts defensive side of the ball, and this is kind of what Stats Matt says he wants me to use his stats uh, from from X today to kind of talk about the defense. So before we get into specific players, Drake, I want to give you these stats courtesy of Stats Matt. So here here are the scoring drives that that Cleveland had uh, on Sunday. So a sixty nine yard uh, run for a touchdown that had a bad pursuit angle. A 36-yard touchdown drive, zero-yard field goal drive, sack fumble in the end zone, 36-yard field goal drive, six-yard field goal drive, 17-yard field goal drive, and then the final Browns drive was aided by by the two terrible calls. 
Stats Matt also says the Browns were four of 16 on third down. Only one running back was over 35 yards, and he had 74 with a 69-yard run. Zero receivers were over 60 yards. Two turnovers forced, six three and outs, with two being in field goal range. So I know 38 points. When you look at the scoreboard, not a lot. And and thank you so much, Stats Matt, for providing yeah. all of those stats. And thank you for your super chat, buddy. Really, really appreciate it. Uh, adding some, uh, adding some, giving us all knowledge and adding to this show. But yeah, Drake, you see 38 points. You think, man, bad showing by the defense. That wasn't my takeaway. When you turn on the film, if you watch it again, if you were there in person, the, the defense did their part. You know, a lot of it was short fields uh, from the turnovers from Gardner Minshew. Seven of those points came on a fumble in the end zone that they that they got. Uh, so that automatically takes it down to to 32. Uh, you're talking about the, the the touchdown at the end that was gifted to to the Browns off uh, from the officials. Uh, take another another six points uh, away from that. This, this defense, it, it, again, it made me feel so bad because there were so many guys on the defensive side of the ball that were just playing out of their minds yesterday. And, and again, it, it all goes for naught because of, of, of the terrible officiating. But the 38 points is not indicative about how well this defense played yesterday for the Colts, in my opinion. Yeah, and I don't mean to briefly go back to it, but the Jaguars game, same exact scenario. 37 points let up, 17 points off of turnovers. The Jaguars won by 17 points. Okay, mm -hmm. same thing here, just not the same position on the field where they happened. But the quantity caught up with the Colts. You turn the ball over four times against even the New England Patriots or even one of these bottom-tier teams, they're probably going to make you pay. If you turn it over four times, they're at least going to score probably twice somehow. So you, you get a team that actually can, can play that well defensively, consistently, and you keep turning it over, you're not giving your team much of a chance. And like Stats Matt put out there and like you read, I mean, this defense, I think you said this last week too, they actually played pretty well. And when you look at guys like Zaire Franklin and other 11 tackles, Kenny Moore, I think, literally – turned into a super saiyan in the middle of the game and just decided to get every step more the second man unbelievable he is playing like a pro bowler again uh look at the end of the day a lot of great things you saw on the defense and even Shaq leonard has another seven tackles you just can't really talk about it because one they lost two ter terrible officiating and three the amount of points that they let up yeah and, and here's the thing i mean the colts the colts had two interceptions could have been four you yeah. know, Black Julian Blackman and Rodney Thomas had the interceptions, but uh, one was almost an interception by Kenny Moore, and another was almost an interception by DeForest Buckner, of all people. So when you add all of that into it, I mean, the Colts' defense was just everywhere. I want to give a shout-out to Quiddy Pay. It seemed like Quiddy Pay didn't have a sack yesterday, but Quiddy Pay, it seemed almost every time the 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 the, the Browns handed the football off, Quiddy Pay was there to make a tackle right at the line of scrimmage or behind the line of scrimmage you nailed it right on the head kenny moore is back to playing at a pro bowl level i mean 10 tackles a, a one one and a half sacks multiple tackles for loss multiple quarterback hits almost came away with that interception that confidence in kenny moore is back playing at a, at a just in a great a very high level ej speed uh really good performance deforce buckner was was back there you mentioned franklin and and leonard juju brents i thought was having a really good game until he went out with his quad injury so many good storylines and so many players on this defense playing really well. They're not the ones that are turning the ball over. They're not the ones that are giving up short fields. That's on Gardner Minshew. And, and that's what is really to blame for the Colts being in this position, not the defense. Yeah, and at the end of the day, you just cannot put your defense in such precarious situations, turn the ball over constantly. doesn't matter if you're going against the league's worst defense or the league's best pass rusher like Miles Garrett along with the league's best defense. You just cannot gift the ball that often. Even to a guy like P.J. Walker, this is professional football. They're still going to find ways to score. Stats, Matt, coming in with the heater. 23 points came from 59 yards of offense by the Browns. That is just – That is a heater. <laughs> that's that's what, that's what an incredible stat, friend. Uh, just incredible. And, and so when you want to put 23 points on the Colts defense, I mean, in 59 yards, 
that's not on the defense. That's, that's an offensive there. problem. That's a, that's that's an offense. That's an offensive problem. That's a Gardner Minshew problem for not taking care of the football. So after all this uh, and and talking about this Colts team, the Colts are now three and four. Uh, They've, they've really faced a lot of the, their toughest opponents. Yes, they still have uh, a game coming up against the Pittsburgh Steelers. They still do have to face off uh, against the, the Cincinnati Bengals. Mm-hmm. But a lot of the teams remaining on the Colts' schedule, very winnable games for this team. So, Drake, as we sit here uh, after week seven, what? how confident are you? In, in this Colts in this Colts team uh, with Gardner Minshew leading with with how this offense uh, the skill positions are coming about with how this defense is playing how confident are you in this team moving forward well just to get it out of the way I think Minshew has a case of just he's just had a real bad streak I mean hell I remember Peyton Manning's last season actually playing for the Colts he had a three game stretch of 11 interceptions I mean you just sometimes it happens. You just have the yips for a couple games. I think if Minshew can get over this turnover bug, I'm feeling pretty confident. I mean, Josh Downs, he's starting to break out. He's looking about as legitimate as you can as a rookie wide receiver. Pittman looks as good as he usually does. Alec Pierce finally had a 30 plus yard completion thrown to him last week or uh, in this game uh, uh, on Sunday. So you got to feel confident in these receivers. I think the tight ends could do a little more. I do think the offensive line looks pretty decent. Defense is playing really well. The the points don't really indicate it like we talked about. You look at the numbers like Stats Matt actually pointed out. They are playing just fine. And you know what? The ground game finally looked completely reinvigorated as a whole. You've got Moss. You've got Taylor both pounding the rock like that. Despite the losses, they've improved in multiple areas. I'm really, really confident, though, in the head coach of that football team, Shane Steichen. He can make a lot of things happen with a, with not very much. I'm not saying that Minshew isn't a, a great backup quarterback, but they only lost by one point, given horrible calls and four turnovers. So Steichen knows what he's doing. So I think overall, you got to feel pretty confident despite the losses. I think I think the Colts will be just fine if if Gardner Minshew stops turning the ball over. Yeah. Now you know I mean that's that's a big if so far yeah. eight turnovers in two games so a he's lot. gonna he's gonna have to he's gonna have to overcome that and and prove that he can do that. But yeah I mean I think Shane Steichen has has already proven in his short amount of time here with the Colts that he is a rock star as a head coach. Uh, you you see this defense is 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 really when they're not backed up against the wall all game, they're able to hold their own. Uh, I think Shaquille Leonard is coming back into his own. We see Kenny Moore playing at a high level, DeForest Buckner, uh, Quiddy Pay, Zaire Franklin. All these guys are, are, are playing at a really high level. So if you can hold, if you can stop from turning the ball over, Jonathan Taylor's coming back. You keep the wide receivers involved. I think this Colts team is going to be just fine. Now, do I think this Colts team is going to win the division? I don't know if I'll go that far, but but I think they'll be contenders in in every single game uh, the rest of the season. So it's it's going to be it's going to be uh, interesting, you know. And and, and as long as uh, as long as we don't run into any more uh, terrible officials, uh, which that will happen because it seems yeah. like most of the NFL officials are terrible at this point. But we'll, so we just hope that, that they don't affect the outcome of any more games uh, for this team moving forward. So Drake, let's talk about the injury report real quick. Talk about some of the Colts that missed the game yesterday and also kind of left the game with injuries. Braden Smith still dealing with that hip injury. He did not play uh, against the Browns. Kylan Granson did not pass the concussion protocol. Colts are hoping to get him back this week against the New Orleans. Orleans Saints. We'll see if he ends up practicing on Wednesday. But the two new injuries, Drake, Juju Brents. This one's a big one because Juju Brents was playing very well against Amari Cooper on on Sunday. Brents goes down with a quad injury. Shane Steichen didn't really elaborate too much on that today. We'll find out a little bit more on Wednesday. I don't think I'm I'm I, I and I don't have any any word on this, but. Uh, you're hoping that it's just a quad strain or a pulled muscle in the quad, something like that, rather than a torn quad, because if it's a torn quad, that pretty much ends the season for Juju Brents. Yeah, and you know, we're look, this, this is professional football, so we're just going to call it as we see it, but Daryl Baker Jr. is next in line. Okay, this this is a guy who we, we were talking about at first, but once he started getting into real competition, you see the weaknesses in his game. And so that's that's really the next 
next guy in line. So if Juju Brents can't play, I mean, you might see the Colts' defensive secondary struggle even more than they already have developing as a young unit. Um, but yeah, Juju Brents, man, he comes, he battled injuries in the offseason, and here he is having a quad injury. Like you said, a tear in a pole or a strain, all three completely different things. You just hope that it's it's a pole or something real, real simple to diagnose, simple to get over. And then it was just kind of like a, an in the middle of the game type thing that got him out for the rest of the contest. Right. And and so we'll, we'll learn more about that on, on Wednesday when Shane Steichen speaks again, uh, as, as much as Shane Steichen is willing to reveal about that injury. Uh, but so, but fingers crossed that, that it's nothing too serious for Juju Brents. And then finally the last one, which people might not think is, is as important, but because Grover Stewart is going to be out still for the next five games, this one's pretty important. Eric Johnson, the backup nose tackle uh, that has taken that took the majority of the snaps for Grover Stewart yesterday, uh, came off the field late with an ankle injury. So we don't know the severity of that. Uh, but you know, with a with Eric Johnson out, that would mean Taven Bryan probably gets the majority of those snaps in there. And when we saw yesterday and have continued to see, and really have seen all season. And Taven Bryan's in there on the middle of those that defensive line on run plays. He's pretty much not there. Uh, he gets easily moved out of the way. Really good pass rusher on the interior. Not so great run defender for the Colts. So could could be uh, just another have to look for another body in there to to help stop runs up the middle until Grover Stewart comes back. Yeah, and Taven Bryan, he's he's been trying to battle battle in the NFL to show that he's relevant, you know, relevant enough to be deserving of a first round selection. He was a first round pick. So he up to this point, he's not played up to his level of expectations. Um, but like you said, if it's third and seven and he's in there, awesome. Fantastic. If it's like third and two, third and one, man, he's not a good run defender. He just isn't. He's an athletic, quicker defensive interior lineman that that rushes the passer really well. So that's a much bigger loss with Eric Johnson right now than what you think. You just hope that it's not for very long. Exactly. So who knows? Maybe we'll see more Dio Dangbo and Taekwon Lewis in the middle if that's the case. But but you, you you really can't afford to lose any more bodies in the middle of that defensive line. So, Drake, let's move along to the latest Colts news and rumors here. And, and I really want to get your, your thoughts on this because you did write a piece on this for HorseshoeHuddle.com today. Michael Pittman Jr. made some interesting comments after the loss yesterday about uh, not, not necessarily getting enough targets, not getting the ball enough. So, uh, Drake, you're the one that wrote the piece. Go ahead and dive into what those comments were and, and just give me your thoughts on on what might be going through uh michael Pittman's head right now well uh first off shout out to indy stars nate atkins he was the one who actually asked these questions and got these answers from michael Pittman jr um but basically he said you know i don't know why i didn't get targeted more you know i'm paraphrasing here i don't have it in front of me but he basically said you know i can make i can make a home run play happen at any given time when i've got the ball in my hands i proved that um, I'm just frustrated. I didn't want to, I didn't want to portray that on the rest of my teammates in the middle of a close game. You know, I wrote the piece and, you know, I, I had some people on social media commenting like, Oh, well, you know, come on, man. You know, you know, why is he complaining? You could say that. And yes, he probably could have reserved himself a little bit from saying that kind of stuff. Like, I don't know what they were doing. I, I don't know if I'm that big of a piece of the offense. It's like, Michael, you're the biggest part of the passing offense. Of course, you're a huge part of the offense. It's like Denzel freaking Ward is covering you. This is a defense that is known for snuffing out the passing game. They probably had a game plan for you, which is why Josh Downs had some so, so many receiving yards. Is because eventually then they started to divert more attention to Downs, and here goes Michael Pittman pulling off a 75-yard touchdown. So I think that it was the defense's game plan to remove Michael Pittman. I think he was just pissed off with the calls. I think he was pissed off that they lost a close game. I think he really wanted to be the, the impact player in that game that made the difference happen. I think that people need to look at these co comments with a grain of salt and realize this is a competitive guy who has a lot of emotion. He gave a peace sign, for God's sakes, to the defenders as he was running away from them. He's just pissed off they lost. I think you nailed it right, right on the head there, Drake. This I don't think this is any indication that, that Michael Pittman wants out of Indy, that he is nope. upset with his role. Michael Pittman is a very emotional player. 
And, and that's that's part of the reason why I love Michael Pittman Jr. so much because you see him with play with that emotion. Play, he plays his heart out every single game, whether it's blocking, receiving. If he didn't, you wouldn't see him trying to run through tackles every time he's got the football. You know, it, it was a very emotional loss. And and I think you're right. He wanted to be that impact player. He wanted to do more. He wanted to, he believes that that when he has the ball in his hand, that that he can make plays happen. And we We've seen it multiple times out of Michael Pittman Jr. I, I wouldn't put too much stock into there being a lot of drama behind the scenes. Shane Steichen was asked about it today. Shane Steichen liked to hear that. He said, you know, I want to hear that that emotion from, from our best players, and, and I want them to, to show that they care. Michael Pittman Jr. has certainly done that. We've heard Chris Ballard talk about the emotion and, and the passion that Michael Pittman has for this, and, and that's, that's, that's really all that I think this is, is Pittman was pissed because the Colts should have won that game and he feels like he could have done more uh, uh to to affect the outcome of the game so it, it's not saying it's not uh, more of a thing that's saying you know I want to get 14 targets or 15 targets a game to pad my stats that that's never how Michael Pittman has been the only reason he wants the ball is because he feels like he can make an impact to win the game. So I don't, I don't think there's any drama surrounding this. I, I think it's a good thing that Michael Pittman cares this much about this team and, and cares much, this much about winning. And it's just one of the very many reasons that, that, that I think the Colts should sign Michael Pittman Jr. and lock this kid up long-term because he gets it. He's a Colt and, and he's really, really good for this organization. Patrick with another super Super chat here uh and he says part of it is that Pittman shoots his mouth off a lot part of it is he was <laughs> mad about the game last part is that he's setting up his importance for upcoming contract battle to inflate his well money so I mean it could probably be all all three of these but I think we, we've seen Michael Pittman do this before we've also seen Michael Pittman be very 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 hard on himself you know what, what comes to mind for me is the last is last I think it was last season against the the Washington Commanders where Michael Pittman dropped dropped a ball and he said you know the reason we lost this game was because of me you know and and it was me me solely and it certainly was not just on Michael Pittman Jr. to lose that game so it's it's just he's very emotional and and I, I I think with how Michael Pittman has handled his contract situation, I commend him with how he's doing it. I think he's going to get paid regardless. Uh, you hope it's with it's here within Indy because he is he is a weapon that I think Shane Steichen can use in his offense and has already shown uh, how he can use Michael Pittman in this offense. Uh, so. Again, I'm not going to put too much stock into it. I think he's just an emotional player. It's not going to cause any drama between Pittman and this coaching staff. That's just not how I see Pittman really going about this. So, Patrick, really, th really thankful for you, buddy. Thanks again for all of your super chats every single night. Uh, you're just an absolute legend there's a reason he is the cfo so right. let's let's move along to our, our final couple uh news things here to wrap up our show before we go to colt's player of the game uh colt's claimed cornerback amir speed off of waivers from the patriots so there's some cornerback help and then to make room for amir speed they waived wide receiver amari rogers so i don't know too much about amir speed drake but hey with with juju brents going going down more depth at corner is is obviously needed. Yeah, and you know, the thing is, you, the way that Daryl Baker Jr. has played, you want to have that depth at corner. I believe that uh, he was actually drafted, I think that Amir Speed, if I'm not mistaken, it looks like he was, the Patriots released him, and then I think that he was actually picked up as a sixth-round pick. No, he was traded by the Raiders as a sixth-round pick to the Patriots for a fourth round pick. So he's a rookie. So, you know, he, he's mm -hmm. maybe he could actually find his footing in the NFL with the Colts, but this is mostly due to Juju Brents and the Colts just don't want to have a thin, a super thin cornerback room, you know, especially as they're hitting the midway point in the season. All right, Drake, let's, let's, let's close out the show on a high note here. Let's do Colts player of the game. So who made the biggest impact? Although it was a loss, there was a lot of, players that play great on Sunday. So Drake, give me your Colts player of the game against the Browns. 
Oh, real quick. It's it's Josh Downs. Uh, I'm doing it. <laughs> I think that I'm just so high on this kid, man. Six targets, five receptions, 125 freaking receiving yards. His first career touchdown, his best career game as far as receiving yards. Josh Downs looks legit. He's got my vote. I think that he's absolutely playing out of his mind. And if he eclipses 1,000 yards, hell of a rookie season. No qualms with that pick whatsoever. Josh Downs, another great game for the Colts, quickly becoming a star on this offense. My pick, Kenny Moore the second. Kenny Moore is all the way back, playing at a Pro Bowl form. Ten tackles, one and a half sacks, three tackles for loss, two quarterback hits, almost came away with that interception there. You, you love to see uh, Kenny Moore playing at such a high level once again, and you know what? He's probably playing himself into another contract with the Indianapolis Colts, which is something I didn't necessarily know uh, was going to happen here at the beginning of the 2023 season, but I'm certainly glad that Kenny Moore is off to the start that he is. So guys, the Cleveland game is over. We're on to the New Orleans Saints, and it's time to put that bad juju behind us, and hopefully we see a much better performance and, and a better outcome for the Colts uh, here on this upcoming Sunday. So that's our show for this weekend, guys. Really, really appreciate everybody tuning in, listening to our rants, uh, opening up <laughs> their, their uh, feelings, getting all their frustration out about this game. Shout out to the Super Chats from this evening. Truett, my beautiful wife, Danielle, Tom Brady, uh, Jake Walton, Patrick, Stats, Matt, all of you guys. Uh, really, really appreciate all your support. As always, you make this so much fun every single Monday and thursday night and if you haven't done so please follow us on all of our socials like horseshoe huddle on facebook follow at colts on fn on x and subscribe to the horseshoe huddle youtube channel hit that bell so you know when drake and i go live whenever shod goes live and a cmdsr says hit the like button for the video on your way out as thank well you, uh thank you so much cmdsr really appreciate you coming and watching us every single uh episode as well and if you can't catch us live Apple, Spotify, Google, wherever you listen to podcasts, we're on there as well. So make sure you subscribe and give us a five-star review. Drake and I, as always, have been cranking out content on HorseshoeHuddle.com. So, Drake, tell the people what you've written so they can go check it out. MPJ's thoughts uh, on the offensive involvement, as Andrew mentioned, and then the three good and three bad in the loss to Browns. Definitely go check those out. Great pieces by Drake. Every piece Drake puts out is quality content. So make sure you go check that out. For me, guys, I think you know what my, my piece was about <laughs> if you haven't checked it out already. Uh, uh, the, the Colts got host yesterday by the officials against the Browns. And when is the NFL going to hold them accountable? So make sure uh, if you want to check out my deep dive into all that, make sure you go to horseshoehuddle.com to check that out, as well as all the fantastic pieces we have out on the site. Go follow Drake at DWalsterDrake. You can follow me at Andrew Moore NFL, and we will be back Thursday night to break down and get you all set for Colts versus Saints week eight matchup in Lucas Oil Stadium for Halloween weekend. It's going to be a fun one. So for Drake, I'm Andrew. Enjoy your week. One more super chat for from Patrick for open bars, <laughs> diapers, Mrs. Moore's next road trip, and the Moore's first anniversary. Patrick, you, you are the saint uh, of this show. Really appreciate it, buddy. So from all of us here at Horseshoe Huddle, Enjoy your week, and we'll be talking to you Thursday night. Take it easy.